Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalp would be thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo or personality. Eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got another God tier episode for everyone. We got Pete back with my buddy Chris, and Chris, we got uh, we got somebody new on the show to help talk us into this God tier class. All right, who do you got? <laughs> we got Matt Matt Matthew. I guess go by Matt Hackett. How you doing, yeah. Matt? I'm not doing too bad. I'm not doing too bad. You guys okay over there? Yeah, you know, we're hanging in. We're we're handling things the best that we can. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, you, you dragged me along for Maelstrom's, which is pretty much my main meat and potato, so this should be fine. Oh, yeah. Fine, fine. Just fine. <laughs> so, so, Matt, we'll talk about you for a second here. So, yeah. you actually have a podcast that you also started because of Guild Ball, right? That's right, yeah. Um, I started a podcast... Uh, God knows how long ago now, uh, called The Rookie, um, which was just me to start with. But then I got a guy over here, uh, Jason Fox, to join in. Um, we did a bunch of uh, stuff around sort of season four. Yeah, we season three into, into the current season. Uh, but we've both kind of tailed off playing. And obviously the lockdown has completely screwed everything over in terms of uh, in terms of doing recordings and playing games and all the rest of it. But God Tier, uh, God Tier took over pretty much. I got really into God Tier with the early access and then the kickstart. And I did release a, a podcast fairly early on into God Tier becoming retail, um, which I interviewed Steve Margotson on. But that, again, that was like loads of plans to do tons of recording and tons of videos and then the lockdown happened and I've basically <laughs> been able to do nothing, absolutely yep. nothing. Um, obviously, now that Tabletopia is out, I'm trying to, to record that. Uh, but so far, I've not been able to get any games recorded because I've been trying to do it from the standard sort of side on view, which involves yeah. you logging in twice and then recording your, your, your spectator camera, which slows everything down. And I'm not on a good enough computer to do that where I am. <laughs> so um, at the moment, I'm looking at buying a new computer to get some decent videos done. All right. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely a process. You go and do it a little bit more than I do when, when I've played with you and a couple other people i was like yep i'm just gonna stream from my point of view and we'll mm. just play the game so yeah. Yeah, it's been decent i i'm sort of accepting the fact that i'm probably gonna have to do that if i want to get some videos out soon but um the long-term plan is i've got loads of long-term plans but one of them is to like have a a laptop doing the recording so it doesn't slow down yeah. uh with the main computer then doing the rest of it but I, i'm i'm looking at that i'm looking at doing the sort of short format that um beard minis used to do for for guild ball so it's going to be recorded then sped up with me talking over the top of it so that people can have like bite sized videos if they want or they can go for people that do the longer recordings instead Nice. Well, we're definitely, I listened to your, your, I don't know what you call it, pod tier. Is that what you're Yeah, pod, that was the one. Yep. And it was, it was a good episode. I enjoyed it a lot. So definitely interested to hear more content. 
But getting into our show today, we're going to go ahead and talk about the maelstroms today. And we'll rank them just like we did the other classes. And then we'll end this podcast talking about which classes we like the best personally. Uh, this might be the ones that we prefer to play. This might be ones that we think are stronger. So we'll get into that uh, mm -hmm. debate towards the end. But Matt, first, why don't you give us just kind of for those that may be newer, or those people that need more details, what, what does the Maelstrom class do? What, is it, what do they do well? Okay, so the Maelstrom is a fighting class. Um, it's definitely out there to, to do some killing. That's its, its sort of core plan. But unlike the Slayers where you're you're trying to chip away and, and then take out those champions for the extra points, the Maelstroms, the only thing they care about is the followers. They want to kill as many followers as possible. They get an extra point for every single follower they kill. Uh, so regardless of anything else, you, you're, you're quickly earning points with them. And they, they pretty much... Um, in my opinion, they can swing games more than the Slayers can because they can choose the right turn to just wipe out entire blocks of followers. Okay. And Chris, what are some of your thoughts about Maelstroms? How have you been finding them as we've gotten into the game? I like them. They're good. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Are they your favorite class now? Um, yeah, yeah, probably. Pro yeah, yeah, I would say so. Like They're, they're probably the best about that more. Okay. And you guys are right. They just do, uh, they're really swingy, right? Mm. And they can just take you from like being way behind in a turn to all of a sudden you hit the ultimate and you got yourself eight points in one, you know, activation. So they are a really strong class. And in the near future, we're supposedly getting two more. Yeah. I know yep. that we're, I know that we're getting a new Slayer in August. So that's interesting to see. Um, like some kind of Khaleesi looking model there. Yeah. So then they'll have, they'll have four slayers, which will be awesome. Well, we need four maelstroms. I mean, there's only three currently. Well, there's only three slayers currently too. Yeah. They're, they're swinging it with the maelstroms. They're putting another two in. Uh, there's a, yep. uh, a dwarf uh, looks vaguely sort of Viking type dwarf in a similar vein to Rodri rather than um, Naya. And then there's a new goblin coming along with her samurai goblins. Yep. Yep. So we'll we'll have to come back and look at those when they come out. But we're gonna go ahead and get into this ranking because there's there's only three, but they're pretty interesting and different kind of esque models. So the number three maelstrom that I think we all can agree on is probably Grimgut. So yeah, yeah he's Grimgut a bag of shit. Does, <laughs> literally, literally a bag of shit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so Grimgut's interesting because he's a maelstrom, but he kind of doesn't initially look like a maelstrom because, I mean, he's slow. He has a lot of health. He's nine hitboxes. I mean, he's two and two as far as your dodge and armor. So that's nothing to write home about. And where he starts to get different is he can only target followers. So with his attacks, he can only target a follower and he only gets to kill one follower a turn. So, I mean, yeah. it, it's kind of like not as splashy as the other ones. And he, in order for him to get those multiple points a turn, like the other ones have to do, a lot of times that's only going to be on his uh, ultimate with buffet because then he can actually target three instead of one. Uh, but I will say that his followers are interesting because they can increase the speed of Grimgut by one. And then they can also slime up to three models in a hex. Uh, and they can do that twice in activation as long as you don't do anything else. And so 
I mean, they can do some of the work, but it's not reliable. I find myself doing slimed a lot, but not killing anything sometimes. Plus, if you spread out, that gets mitigated. Uh, the, the main thing I like about Grimgut, and then I'll let you two kind of speak to him as well, that I love how you can do new spew to basically use the Retchlings to block off your opponent because Retchlings are not worth any steps. So unless you're a Maelstrom, you're not getting any kind of steps for killing Retchlings. So they really can force your opponent to uh, to waste actions as opposed to using them effectively. So uh, Chris, we know you're going to be super negative, but let's hear Matt's take first, then we'll let you trash on Grimgut because of your experience lately. <laughs> I'm not going to be that positive about Grimgut, if I'm honest. <laughs> That's um, what we want to hear. That's what the Rage Quit Wire is all about. No, no. I, I when I, when I first started, I really wanted Grimgut to be really, really cool. I thought, you know, all of the stuff about um, he was slow, he was different to any other sort of um, maelstrom, all of that stuff. I really, really keen on that. I tend to be keen on the stuff that does like out of the box play, um, and. I kind of hope that Grimgut would do that, but you're right. He's slow. He he can't kill followers. So what's the blimmin' point in him? Because <laughs> he gains the bonus points when he kills followers, and he doesn't. So you're not gaining as many points as you need. He ends up being. I mean, you could use him as paperweight, to be fair. Um, but he ends up being like this sort of cheap. Um, shaper that's designed to try and block stuff off and, and, and control areas, which is fine because his followers, as you said, you can reposition them whenever you want and and they can be used to block stuff off. But when you're blocking stuff off with them, they can't kill Jack. They just they just rubbish at it. You have to have them bunched up. So you're going to end up spreading them out, blocking off an area, and then using one of their actions to move them together so you can get a decent attack off. But what you want them to do is attack twice because yep. they can. And, and and you just completely foul up yourself. What's really annoying about all of this as well, and I know you said you know that they don't score points because the Retchlings don't think, but I promise you, if you are going to bring Grimgut and somebody has got a Maelstrom in their box, in their hand, they are putting that Maelstrom on the board <laughs> because they will kill your Retchlings and gain a point for each one and they'll be happy. They'll be yep. dead chuffed about this. No problems whatsoever. So I yeah. really wanted to like him. And 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 you, you've shown me that his, his ultimate is better than I thought it was because my brain for some reason read that as he could only attack a block of three in one hex. That's not true. He can attack anybody. But that's the only time he's any good. He's going to give you one turn of being yeah. really good. And that's it. And that is a waste. Yeah, I, I like what you said there, Matt, that he's probably actually closer to a shaper that kind of leans more into Maelstrom. So because he is very positioning based, and I think actually if he was a shaper, he might be utilized a little bit more because the games I've had success with him is when I brought him in a shaper role instead of a Maelstrom role. So it, it he would almost be a good maelstrom to bring with like another maelstrom and then somebody else but uh chris you had an experience where you finally got to play grimgut and you had some really strong feelings about him yeah so i had like an experimental game with you and i put grimgut on the table and there was somebody else that i put on there that just sucked oh lorsan sucks too um <laughs> and so i had both of them on there so i mean like the deck was really stacked against me 
And proof positive, they delivered on what I thought they would, which was they were just garbage. So, um, yeah, I think that the fact that Grimgut really is a maelstrom that can't kill followers is a huge liability, like you said. Uh, the actually, you know what? Let me change. Let me change what I want to say here about these guys. Let, let's talk about like what they could do to correct these guys. It's really simple. If they just had an ability like slimed, like something similar that could target like multiple models in a hex or something like that, maybe with some range, um, like the two that the Retchlings get, those little boogers, uh, that that would solve the problem. Just give that ability to Grimgut to where like he actually has a couple of attacks that he can do. Yeah, and I think even if he had maybe not quite as good as slimed, but he had another attack. Like, like don't get me wrong. Buffet and, sorry, Nom Nom Nom. That's his one attack he does. <laughs> that attack, first off, I love saying Nom 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 in the middle of a game. But secondly, that's going to kill almost any follower in the game. Just because you're getting seven dice and you're getting seven damage dice. And it's going to kill something, but you're only getting two points and that's the problem. So I agree, Chris. If you had another attack that could target multiple followers, whether it's two... I'd be fine with another attack that said, "Hey, target two followers," and I'd be, I'd be all in on the Grimgut train. Well, what if they gave him an, him an ability like Slime, but just took out the second sentence, so he couldn't like do yeah. it twice? He could just yeah, that's what I'm one saying. time three models and had similar stats to Slimed to where he was like four five or five five or whatever. So it wasn't as yeah. automatic as Nom Nom Nom, but uh, that would that would solve the problem. It's a simple solution. And the other the other negative I'll throw at Grimgut's way that I always just count on is Grimgut's going to die at least once or twice. His his stats are victim stats. It's just going to take a, one or more attacks to drop him because he has nine hitboxes. But dodge two, you're going to hit him, and armor two, you're taking a bunch of damage, even from followers. Yeah, he's, he's pretty much Slayer Victim. He's one of the Slayer Victims out there. One of very few... But he is a Slayer victim. Uh, you're not going to kill him necessarily in your first turn, but anybody, and I do mean pretty much everybody apart from probably Morrigan, uh, will just kill him. Yep. You know, it's just going to happen at some point. And do you want to give up the extra point for him when you're only going to score two a turn off of him? Yeah. Yeah, because then you almost have to put the banner out, and then at that point in the plot phase... Uh, you're probably going to have to do a new spew. So I don't know about you guys, but when I've played Grimgut, very few times have I done flu spew and goo spew because those abilities aren't worth not putting my banner down and not putting the wretchlings down where I need them to be. Yeah, I know you guys haven't talked about the scenario, but uh, the scenario system. Grimgut in that is better because one <laughs> of his options allows you to new spew for free. Nice. And that makes a world of difference because all of a sudden you can do flu spew and move and roll and attack and still do all of the stuff you need to do with your etchlings. Yep. I don't know. I don't know if it is something you could put that maybe into his actual character that he could, he does um, new spew for free and then yeah. see what he's like, because then he might actually be a lot better. Maybe. And I think that'd be a, a good quick fix to make him at least competitive because I know with these next two Maelstroms, it makes Grimgut really not even a great option unless you just like playing him. Like I've almost been playing him 
as a detriment just because I like him and I like some of the things he does. Mm-hmm. But I know I kind of handicap myself sometimes when I bring him. He's just a victim. I don't think there's any other way of saying it. He is just a victim. Well, moving on to the victim, to our number two, who is high nobility. Uh, the number two that we're going to put is Titus. So, uh, Chris, you want to talk to me about Titus? I know you've had some experience with him, and you've seen him a couple times. Yeah, so the the honorable Titus. Uh, yep. He is one of the few human characters, which is kind of cool. Uh, if you like playing that way, but uh, I've only seen him. I've only played against Titus, so I I don't I haven't been able to really craft out how I want to play him. But he he is definitely more in the vein of what a maelstrom is supposed to be, being able to actually you know deal out some damage, forcing people to uh, put themselves in that situation where they can't put all of their followers in a single hex because he'll just victimize them. And yeah, that's what he's, he's designed to do. He, he does it much better. Uh, the only real knock I have on this guy is the five health, but you know, the, the, everything else is so strong. So, okay, Matt, what are some of your thoughts on Titus? Uh, I mean, I really like Titus, but um, Chris is a hundred percent right. His five health is a real, real problem. I, uh, he will do something that none of the other maelstroms will do, which is he will pick on other champions if you want him to. Oh yeah, um, oh, yeah. he can absolutely cane some of the some of the weaker champions, and he. I mean, we've talked about how much Grimgut is a victim. Believe me when I say that Titus will love seeing Grimgut at the other side, and will quite happily go and <laughs> pan his face in. Um, and the big thing with him, so he's a, he's a bit like a slayer uh, in the fact that he can hit other champions, and they're not great rolls. You know, you're only getting a, a five uh, with six damage or a six with five damage. So some, you know, some champions you're going to miss. You're going to miss them, but he will still have a go, and he can do that at the same time because of, the, of his sweeping slash, which is attacking things in two hexes, as long as they're next to him. He can still kill a follower and do some damage to a champion. So he's he's got this cracking sort of um, capacity to do that. But what I will say is um, the the last game that we had in the in the um, tournament, which uh, the second round, uh, he I put him down with Rangosh on the other side of the board, and Rangosh one rounded him three times. Um, <laughs> That's what I like just, to hear. He just <laughs> gave up points. He just was awful for that. Um, so he's got three armor. He's got three um, three dodge, which are, which which his passive is is really good because it pushes yes. it up to four and four against followers. But if you can crack that three armor, he's only got five health. And Rangosh rolling eight dice or nine dice or whatever he can end up rolling because it's stupid what he can end up rolling will just one-shot him. So he's brilliant um, in terms of the flexibility that he gives you. Um, and we haven't even got onto the followers because, my God, are they brilliant. Um, but he will absolutely fall apart in the wrong situation. So. Yeah, we'll talk We'll talk about his followers in a second. But some of the highlights I have for Titus, because you guys are right, he is a glass cannon. Uh, but... He does have three dodge and three armor, which is really good. It's a solid stat. I've had trouble killing it a lot. 
you almost can't send followers into him just mm-hmm. because being four dodge and four armor innate against followers is just just disgusting. And the the other things that I love about Titus are very much Chris esque. I could see Chris playing Titus and just yelling, you know, I'm gonna challenge you and I'm gonna kill you all because <laughs> he just he's this just this noble guy who he can put out blights on other champions, which is great. And I mean, he gets one back, but that's going to be fine because you're set up to kill somebody. And then the fact that he can move followers into range of him is just amazing because that can help him set up the kills. And then, yeah, his two attacks are really flexible. He can either target multiple models in different hexes in the same hex. Uh, if he's going into a high def- high dodge model, he can throw six dice with sweeping slash. Or if he's going into high armor, he can throw in piercing strike. So just a really flexible model and his ultimate is bonkers like when you look at his ultimate the fact that you can move with him and then move an additional hex and then you can attack twice it's just so just to set this up so people can imagine it basically you can move you can then take a skill action which is one of your attacks and then you move another hex and then you take another skill action so i mean you're getting so much movement and so much different attacks with the non-linear mobility it's just it's fantastic with him so all i took away from that was you saying that i'm a really noble guy but um yeah thank you i appreciate that it's nice to be sorry i took away from that that you like screaming at people that you're going to kill them but i'll uh, I'll leave it to that both (laughs) wow this is like this is like fox news versus cnn right now And the glory seekers are also just really solid. You get five of them. They can move your champions around. Uh, something I saw that um, one of the guys in the tournament I played, he put a glory seeker basically all around the board to start off and mm. put it behind each of his champions. That way he had the option of giving extra mobility to uh, the champions with roar of battle. Outflank is awesome just because you can place your uh, your glory seekers around a model and then hack and surround pound. Surround pound is ridiculous. The fact that you can get like what six and six and seven dice for hit and damage is pretty ridiculous. You, you can you can stack that to a full seven seven attack. It's, yeah, it's bonkers good. Um, I think the other thing that's really important to note about the glory seekers is if you have to recruit, they get to move. The one that recruits gets to move um, for free when you recruit them. Uh, it's just silly they are so mobile if you get outflank properly you are going to absolutely hurt a champion they are champion killers through and through which which gives you that sort of um weird dichotomy with titus that he is a maelstrom but he is an absolute risk to any champion as well yeah definitely a good counter pick uh you do have to be like when you see somebody that is like, I would say even Lorisan or definitely Rangosh that you got to be careful because they can come in and wreck Titus, whereas pretty much everybody else in the game, Titus can have a fair shot at. Yeah, he, he doesn't like Slayers. <laughs> so, yeah, the, those Glory Seekers, man, the fact that their defensive stats are a 3-3, that's just mind-boggling that like any any followers have anything like that. Like yeah, followers not, just not really. shouldn't be that strong. I'd say the the next hardest followers to kill are probably the splashlings just because they're like a four, one and eight. 
And they can obviously get boons on themselves. But yeah, the glory seekers are definitely hard to kill as well. The dwarves in the right place can be awful to kill because they can be like two five or something. Armor five, yeah. Yeah, so. All right. So yeah, Titus is in a good spot. I definitely like him at number two. But definitely, I don't know if there's much argument here. Blackjaw to me is kind of the number one. And it's this guy is even crazier but he's more tuned into killing the followers he's not as you know he can't splash as much into killing uh killing champions but he, he still can a little bit so the the thing i like about black jaw is he's this dude and his followers they get across the fucking board these guys they they hoof it they rush and yeah they they, they go and the fact that black jaw gets three attacks per turn that's what I love about it, where it's just like, all right, we can just do all three of our attacks and everything on this side of the board is dead. So what, what are some good and maybe even some bad things that you guys have uh, at, for Blackjaw? Well, I'll tell you that I have lots of good things. Um, first of all, <laughs> he's holding a flaming axe. So we all know that's what I'm all about. Um, so we're, we're, we're drawn to that model automatically. But I love the fact that when he gets on a killing spree, he's able to just keep killing. The fact that he's able to knock out a follower and then get additional actions is mind-boggling. That you could you could really chain together just kill after kill after kill, multiple models, multiple hexes, uh, using the ultimate play, all sorts of different things that you could achieve with him. So I, 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 I love Blackjaw. He's one of my favorite models in the entire game. Uh, very, very close to like an auto-include for me. And yeah, very, also resi- very resilient with the, the eight health. Uh, that's very impressive. The Unburnt Reavers are able to really uh, boost him up by the fact that they have Fearsome. So it, you know, lightens up enemies. Uh, and and what they can achieve uh, by them just innately having that and not having to put it out. But those those are just some initial thoughts. I'll let you guys kind of dig into a little bit more of the nitty gritty. Uh, I mean, the only thing for me that that anybody could say is a downside about him is he can't manipulate and move those followers to where he wants uh, himself. So we we talked about um, Titus being able to pull things around and to an extent, Grimgook can kind of do it by blocking off areas so that you, you know, you, you force people to bunch into a smaller area. Although generally he's pretty awful at even that. Um, (laughs) But that would be the, like the only thing that you can say, but, but then the unburnt reavers, kind of make your enemy want to do that anyway because the second they split up their followers they're not as good so you've got this sort of passive ability to force people into into the space i mean i can't think of a bad thing to say about black jaw really i really love him um as you guys said he's mobile if he kills something he gets an extra action so you're going to do three um three things really with him in in the clash phase um, if you want to be really cheeky, you can do his ultimate in the plot phase and do three things. I think, um, I think that's still an option. So he's just, he's just so good. He's the quintessential maelstrom. Now, whether or not we kind of have to say we've put him on the top because he's the perfect maelstrom, but he's never going to give you any flexibility. 
Yeah. I mean, that might be the, the the big thing about him. He is the perfect maelstrom, but he will not flex to do anything else. Well, I think the problem with Blackjaw that you could say, and to me, this is his one problem that I have noticed when I played him. When you run out of stuff to kill, that's the problem. Like, you're going to have one turn where he just, he clears the whole battlefield of followers, and then your opponent is forced to recruit to one of those followers a turn. Basically, you have to have one on the board. So, but you're not going to, like, tr trust me, when you play against Blackjaw, you're not going to be doing a bunch of recruiting because you know they're just going to die. So that's the only thing I've noticed about Blackjaw is once that load is spent, then you have to go ahead and go, okay, now I have to figure out how to get more points out of Blackjaw now that I've cleared the board. Well, when I, when I hear you say that, I think about the ways <laughs> that he can still go after other models like e e even if even if it's not followers even if you're not using fiery axe or fireball to their maximum ability targeting three models you are still able to target champions uh it yeah, gives, just not with dick yeah it yeah it gives you a it gives you a strike at a distance the umbert reavers are able to like you victimized lorson in oh, that yeah. game that we played right because lorson sucks and is weak and <laughs> Blackjaw's good. She sucks. So there, there's. I, I like Blackjaw because I I like the synergy between the Unburnt Reavers encouraging people to bunch up and then Blackjaw killing them. But he is one of the most dependable models to get you a win on an important turn. Yeah, and and I'm starting to kind of change how I'm thinking about God tier a little bit in the sense that. I think that your approach needs to be what are three champions, each of which are able to win you a turn on their own. Yeah. And yeah. that's not, that's not something that I've heard people really talk about, but it, it, it's, it's, it's an approach that matters, right? Can Rangosh be the difference in winning a turn by taking out an opposing champion? Can, uh, Wraith or Shale be the difference in winning you a turn because of the way they combine their abilities. Blackjaw is one of the most clear examples of being able to do that. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting way to think about it because I was in a tournament game yesterday and there was a turn where it's like, man, I really want to win this turn, but I, the champion I have left can't do that just because it was Grimgut because I spent his ultimate and I'm like, well, now he can't win me the turn. Probably not, just because I can't depend on the Retchlings to get me those points. And even then, it's only one point when I kill a dude. So I, I think you're right, Chris. That's an interesting way to think about it. And the last thing I want to mention about Blackjaw before we keep talking about this is that his ultimate is a good example of maybe what Grimguts should be instead. Because if you look at Firestorm, you can target up to five followers, and that's within two hexes. Yeah. So whereas whereas Grimgut, he only can only target three, and he has to be adjacent. So I think that's a really interesting um, ultimate compared to Grimguts, which is good. Just it's not targeting five followers. Good. So. I, I think if anybody wants to know why we criticize Grimgut so much, you just have to put the Grimgut card next to the Blackjaw card, and just yeah. have a look at the way it's set up because. Blackjaw is so focused on and so capable of doing what he is designed to do and gain those bonus points. And I really, you know, what Chris said about champions that can win you a turn, I, I really like that. I think that's really good. And the one thing I will kind of point out with, with Blackjaw is he doesn't need to use his ultimate to win you a turn. 
He really exactly. can do it without using that. And 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 if you really want to be sort of, you know, you would really want to take Chris's analogy to the absolute limits. Technically, you need three champions that can win you two turns because if you win the second and the third, you've won the game. Yeah. So you only need to really have champions that can win you those two turns. Blackjaw will do that without using an ultimate one turn and by using the ultimate the second turn, so long as there is enough stuff on the board for him to do it. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And and I'm going to probably start thinking about that more and more as I pick uh, pick champions because there have been times where I've just been like, man, this this champion's fun, but they're really not helping me win the game. And, and that's been models like, for me, Rattlebones, and obviously Morgan's one of those models. And it's just there's times where it's like, yeah, they're fun, but they're not helping me win. Mm. So we got kind of all the Malastrums lined up. And I think that now that we've talked about all four of these classes, which class do you guys, let's start with what class do you like the most? And then we'll go into which one we think is the most powerful. But let's start with just what's your favorite class in this game? And we'll start with uh, you, Matt, since you're the guest of the show here. Uh, I'm I'm a shaper. 100% 100% shaper is the, is is my class. Yeah, in our game, didn't you bring two shapers? I did. I did. I bought <laughs> both Wraith and Shale. Um, and the just the sheer manipulation, just the sheer capacity to go, yeah, you've done all of this stuff and you've put all of your banners there and you've got all of your champions around it. And all I'm going to do is jump Wraith into the middle of you and scatter everything. And now I've got complete free access. Or I'm going to use... Um, uh, shale to jump something around so that you can't go where you're going to need to go next turn. I'm going to move all of these hexes out of the way. Uh, I'm going to be wherever I want to be, hurting whoever I want, because those two, especially those two shapers, will do you some damage. Um, and you just you can just take the heart out of the opponent's game. Um, yeah. And, and the, the thing is with them, they... They can win you turns. Um, they probably need their uh, ultimates to do it in most cases, but they, they certainly can win you those turns. But what they do outside of those ultimate turns in just the capacity to shift everything around in your favor, I think that's really potent. And I think that's really powerful. It is. Yeah, because I can tell you, Watching you untangle my turn with two shapers was definitely frustrating. So <laughs> I, can, I can say that was not fun for me. Uh, mission accomplished. Uh, um. yeah. So Chris, what about you? What's your favorite class that you're starting to find in God tier? So I, I'm a little bit torn here, right? Because definitely the top two are shapers and, and maelstroms. And I'm leaning toward the maelstroms because of the playstyle element. Yeah. And because I think Blackjaw is such a high-level champion. Beast. But the fact that you have so many good options of shapers, right? That, there are three shapers that are that all of which are totally viable uh, in, in Naya, Shale, and Wraith. The fact that that class exists and has so many strong models within it, I can totally see somebody saying that they want to claim that shapers are like the best of the uh the best of the classes but my argument for the maelstroms ultimately comes down to this maelstroms are the only class that is able to get their battle ladder bonus points 
multiple times in a turn as a normal function of what they're doing. So yeah. with Shapers, they're going to get an extra when they place. The Guardians are going to get an extra when their banner lasts till the end of the turn. And then obviously the Slayers get their extra when they kill a, kill a champion. But the fact that Maelstroms can chain together those bonus points and get, you know, three extra bonus points in a turn, I, I think that makes the class very, very powerful. Yeah, and I'm going to go a different route just because I've played a lot of games now. I'm probably somewhere upwards towards uh, a couple dozen games now of God Tier. And I'm just going to say that out of all the classes, I have the most fun when I have a Guardian in the three. Now, that's not saying that it's the most powerful because we'll talk about that in a sec, but I have the most fun playing Guardians. And I just, I love Half Tusk. I love the fact that he just, he just punches you in the mouth and just hangs around the middle. I love Finbar is one I'm going to play more. I've only had one or two games with him. Rodri, even though he can become victimized movement wise, I still love having him in my list. And then I've really, really kind of come around on Morn Blade. Um, just, I've seen the Lorsan and Sneaky Pete match up into him, and it can be inconvenient and yeah they get points off of it but it's still to the point where if you're still doing your thing you get free rallies anyway so that doesn't really matter for Mornblade. so i just i love the positioning game around the banner and then i'm starting to lean into having a maelstrom and a shaper usually paired up with my guardian but the guardians are the ones that are really interesting me as a player so far but let's switch the the Let's switch to the other side now with which is the most powerful class. So which one is the class where it's like this one is going to get you the most work or the most power or the most points and steps? Maelstroms. Are you, in really agree- argue that. are you in agreeing, agreeing with that uh, there, Chris? I, I think I've laid out my case pretty well. <laughs> as, as much as I love the Shapers, you, you as I said before, especially with, with Black Jaw, you will win turns off of your Maelstrom. No problems whatsoever. Um, even though they possibly Grimgook might actually be one of the weakest models in the game, they still have two that can outright win new turns without having to ultimate. And that's no other class does that. Yeah, I think what Chris said, where you just the bonus point you get with the thing you're wanting to do and you get it multiple times throughout the turn. So if you kill four followers, which is not I would say that's not odd. That actually happens more turns than it doesn't with a Maelstrom is you're getting eight points for that. So even if the battle ladder, even if it's all the way on your opponent's side, that's going to bring it back to your side with just one model. That is so powerful. So I I would agree with that. Uh, So we obviously have Maelstrom kind of towards the top. And does that mean that that aside is it going to be shapers next? Is that what I'm kind of hearing from you two? That you both like shapers kind of towards the top as well? Yeah. Uh, they're just, yeah, they're just too good. <laughs> they are just too good. With all the positioning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked already about the fact that, that I mean, all of us have done Guild Ball stuff, right? And the Morticians for a really long time were one of the most powerful guilds in the game because they didn't allow you to do what you wanted to do. That's yeah. what shapers do, and and it is such a powerful thing. the The downside with it is it's not an easy play style. It's not an easy thing to get your head around. 
having a model which is in the game not to score you points by doing what it does i mean you just dump your banner off you gain an extra point that's what it's for but what they want to do is that entire clash phase is shift things around move stuff about so that your opponent can't do what they want to do that is not an easy play style but it is very very powerful so matt as you say that i think that you could also make the argument that like it's very freeing in the sense that because they're not designed to go to battle and do a bunch of damage right you're able to use their abilities in the very specific way that they are designed to be used and so all you have to do like you said you just drop off their banner right and then their only job is to be disruptive their only job is to throw a monkey wrench into things it's it's not like guild ball where you're playing the morticians and you're having to say okay well i can do all of these janky things but I also have to find a way to take out some models. And I also got to find a way to score. In this yeah. case, it's like, hey, you're free to only do the janky things. That's what they're designed for. And you don't have the options of doing the other things. Yeah, yeah no, I agree with you. They're, they're, they're not morticians in that level of complexity. But I do think it's harder sometimes to, as a player, certainly a new player, is to look at what your opponent has got on their side of the board and work out what they want to do. And, yep. and your shaper needs to be able to know what the opponent wants to do so that they can throw that monkey wrench in the right place. So while 100% with you, they are not as complex because they, they, they don't have to do the takeouts. They don't have to score the goal. They are only there to disrupt. It is still a harder play style than I've got a Slayer, so I'm going to kill people. I've got a Guardian, so I'm going to stand still. And I've got a Maelstrom, so I'm going to kill followers. They are still more complex. Yeah, I think that's important because when Chris and I first started playing God Tier, I played uh, Wraith and Wraith just got destroyed. And then we started playing him more and reading the card more. And we're like, oh, he does this on top of this on top of this. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is what he's good at. And he became a fantastic model. And it it is because of reps and just understanding kind of what's happening in the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, that means the bottom position is between the guardians and the uh, and the slayers. So, which one of those is on the bottom of the pile here? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, um, I think it's an easy answer. Go okay, on, well, what's the easy answer, Chris? I, I think the slayers are on the bottom. Oh, you do? Yeah, because you have to pour uh, outside of like Rangosh, right? You have to pour so many activations into accomplishing what they're trying to do. And so it, it's the opposite of the Maelstroms. The Maelstroms are able to get their bonus points multiple times in a turn. The Slayers have the problem of, hey, it might be multiple turns before I even get my bonus. And so mm-hmm. you're trying to like trap people in. You're trying to bait them in with your banner. You're trying to do all these things. And if people don't take the bait, Right now, now we know the difference between how Wraith is designed versus what we initially thought. So never again will there be a situation where Rangosh is able to just chase down Wraith and kill him repeatedly, right? Now you know, okay, we're going to jump him all around and we're going to put these boons on him and get, give him a hard time. And, and Rangosh might get to him on this turn, but then he's not going to ever get to him again. You know, th- those types of situations... 
the Slayers don't get their reward enough, and they don't deal out enough damage, even though supposedly that's what they're supposed to do. So I think that they could... Maybe the Slayers need to deal out more damage, but have more rules like the uh, Maelstrom models where it says this may only target a champion, right? So that they're not using that huge amount of, of bonus in their attacks to wipe out followers that they're not intended to. They get, but they get to do more damage to the champions. Like they're supposed to, to where they can actually take them out in the turn. Yeah. That's, that's kind of interesting because, I, I feel like you're right that a lot of times you almost have to use your non-slayer models to do chip damage to champions and then perfectly time and finish off the the champion that you're going into. But the problem is that's multiple activations. So if I see that, I can react and then pull out, right? So it, it is tough with that slayer class to effectively get your points. And, and you're right, you're not going to probably get it every turn just because... It's just not as effective as killing followers, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so my, my thing about whether or not it was Slayers or Guardians at the bottom is basically because Slayers have one model which outright can do the job that it's designed to do and does <laughs> it excruciatingly well. Um, Rangosh is very, very good. And I don't. I think that model almost completely trumps the entire guardian set of models because the problem (laughs) with the guardians is they drop their banners that's their big thing they drop their banners but unlike shapers that get that bonus point immediately they somehow have to keep that banner alive and there is nothing really on their cards which stops somebody just walking around them and stops them doing it you've got one one model that can realistically do it well um and that is mornblade and he's not doing it he's just dumping his followers next to people that might take out banners i think um, half dusk can do that pretty well though because half tusk has the Froglodytes that can basically get in the way so you can't get to the banner or they can pull you away from getting to the banner uh that's the only exception i would say to what you said yeah and, it, and even then you you just kill a Froglodyte and then walk through the gap that's there now. How dare you kill a Froglodyte, <laughs> man? How dare you? Oh, quite easily, because they're a pain in the... <laughs> um, but no, I, I think you're right. Slayers are the weakest, realistically. When you when you put it all down, if you just you know ignore that angry bull in the corner... Yeah, um, I was going to say, if you put like an asterisk next to Rangosh, then yeah. I think Chris hit it on the head. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, it's about the it's about the class, right? Like, what is the makeup of the class? And I agree, but to counteract what you're saying, let's let's agree that Rangosh is elite in what he can do. The problem yeah. is they also have the, they also have the worst model in the game on the other end, right? So Morgan yeah. is the worst champion, and Rangosh isn't the best champion. He's just a very very good slayer. So do you know why I think Mor- Morrigan is so bad? And I, I know what you're all going to say because it's just crap crap on the cards and crap on the followers. No, but I think that there's also- a conspiracy reason why. No, there's a fundamental problem with her. There is an absolute fundamental problem with her. We've already said that Slayers need somebody else to set up their kills for them. But she also needs somebody to set her up. So she needs two models, one to do the chip damage and one to give her the boons. So you're yeah. immediately having to use both your other champions to get anything out of her. Um, she, 
there needs to be something really fundamentally different about her and whether or not it's as simple as you know she does ridiculous damage when she's buffed so you only need one model to set her up because i could see what they're trying to do they're trying to create a synergy model because none of the others really need the synergy and she is all about it she is all about having the right models with her but she needs two she needs yeah. two models to do it nobody else does nobody else needs that even yeah, I, the slayers I, don't need that I think Morgan, if you, that's the thing, if you are going to dedicate two models into making Morgan work, the payoff would have to be so high that that cost is worth it, right? Mm -hmm. So if Morgan could kill like one and a half champions a turn, but you had to give up two extra models to help, you know, facilitate that, I think then it's worth it. But you're, you're right. The payoff is just not that high. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to... Do you want to deep dive into the conspiracy reason why I think that Morgan's so bad? Sure, sure, Chris. I, what is it? I think it's because she's in that starter box and she looks cool, right? But Steamforge knows that if they make her too strong in that starter box, people aren't going to go out and buy the other Slayers. So they've <laughs> instead put the weakest Slayer in the starter box so that then people are encouraged to go out and upgrade their Slayer game by buying these other models that are just better man that's some tinfoil hat that's, stuff, that's really. what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> the, the only thing the only thing that kind of supports that though is all of the other models in those two starter boxes are probably the easiest ones to understand from their classes um naya is probably the easiest of the the shapers titus yeah. is by far and away the easiest to understand of the um maelstroms and you know finvar's a pretty simple guardian um so yeah when when you when you put it that way chris it's um it might be tinfoil but it's uh it, it does have a certain amount of truth to it <laughs> so as we as we look at like these models and now this is our kind of our final episode about like this series of examining the classes i really think that you you mentioned matt i believe you mentioned it that once you kill off those followers, once you have that big turn with Blackjaw, that he's kind of done, right? I think that a way that you can facilitate his use in a very practical way is once he has that big turn, then he's the model that devotes himself to doing the chip damage for to yeah. set up his Slayer buddy, right? So like yeah. Rangosh. Um, I think that's a convenient way to to use them together, you try and take out champions. And then, you know, after a few recruit actions, people have more followers on the board and he's able to go clean house again as a maelstrom. So I, I, I I'm, I'm just trying to point out to people thoughts as far as combos that are practical ones. And I know what we've said about slayers being at the bottom, but um, I think the other thing to look at is what else they can do. Cause I mean, it's, it's all, it's all sort of like this weird balance. What What is the problem with Slayers? Well, they don't do what they're supposed to do very well. But what else can they do? Well, Sneaky Pete's fantastic for his manoeuvring, his, his ability to shift around. He can plant banners. He can crush banners way better than a lot of, a lot of other models can because of his mobility. But he's also got that fact that he will always do a little bit of damage. So that can be really useful. It can be really, really good to have that. The downside is 
there are other models that do it as well. So it's not unique to him, but there is still use for slayers. They're just not going to do what you expect them to do, which is this finding a, a champion that they can face off against and outright butchering it. Um, again, what there is one ex- one case where that is true, and absolutely, um, Rangosh does that without you know really having to think too hard about it. But every model is viable to an extent. It's just what you can get out of them. Maybe apart from Morrigan. Yeah. So let me ask you guys this. So we have this new Slayer coming out in August with Khaleesi. I don't know what her real name is, but she has she has a dragon, right? Hearer, I think. Yeah. So what what is what does she need to bring to make the uh, Slayers more interesting or more usable on the on the battlefield? Probably some Dothraki riders, I'm guessing. Some screamers. <laughs> Riding well, from everything I, I, I'm looking at it, um, it looks like she doesn't do the slaying. Um, she's got two dragons, um, which from everything that I, I can see, they've not shown us much. They've talked about it a little bit. They've um, they've shown us a, a comic strip with yep. her, um, and the, the the sort of indication there is when she kills things, you can boon your other models, which sounds like a heck of a lot of fun, but. The, the, the other implication is she doesn't do a lot of the killing. It's her dragon. So you're going to have something a little bit like um, Grimgut with that. And that I'm not sure I like that because Grimgut's thing is he doesn't do the killing. It's his, it's his followers that do. Well, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not really getting your bonus points there. So unless the dragons can outright kill anything like a sort of mini Rangosh, by ganging up on it or they're really cool because you can split them out and they can be slowly but surely killing two things um, because they're relatively effective but they can't do it straight off the bat i don't know i don't know know what or they change your card right like they they could change your card to where when she kills a champion she doesn't get the bonus but when her followers kill the champion they do right they could invert the ability to where it's still a slayer ability you're still targeting champions but the followers get the bonus instead. Yeah, I, I, and I, we haven't seen the card, right? So I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. that that's what it would be, but that's a that's a way of solving that. And well, I wouldn't mind seeing more models that are like Shale and Landslide, where you kind of get more work out of the followers, and the followers do the heavy lifting, and then the the champion supports, right? I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, because in the comic, they do strongly hint that the dragon's the one that did all the work. I mean, Finvar even says, I think your dragons did all the work taking out Blackjaw, and then she threatens him with the dragons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, I don't know, she she, she looks interesting. I, 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 like the, I like the model, because we've seen a 3D print uh, over here when they did the the God tier release event uh, up in Manchester, um, which has, you know, these two really lovely models for the dragons. And she's, she's a nice, nice enough model as is. Um, I really do think that they're probably gone for the followers do the work. I don't know if that will fix slayers. Uh, Slayers need something fundamentally new on their cards, which basically says, if you do this to a champion, you get bonus dice, or this is only for targeting champions, but it will just absolutely annihilate or get very close. There's there's only one question I do have on this, though, is 
have they done it this way? Have they done it so that slayers take their time and it takes a while to kill a champion? Because losing an action on a champion is actually really, really difficult to survive. And if slayers were just killing a model every single turn, would it be an NPE? Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because I think about a lot of the games that I've had and a lot of times where you start to see the the separation in steps is if I take out your champion, whether it's with a slayer or whatever, that I then get to push you two hexes away and now you're down an activation where you can't move and plant your banner. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a really great point because... It is powerful to take that one action, and it is powerful to reposition a model two hexes away. So I, I think that's that's probably a, a thought that is important to think about when you're playing your game and how important it is taking out models can be. Yeah, it's just a shame that in order to get that bonus, a class which is specifically designed to do it doesn't do it very well. But Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. The only... I would say... Rangosh obviously does it super well. And then I would say Sneaky P, especially on his ultimate turn, he can just hop in and take out a champion out of nowhere. So Lorisan can do it if your dice are favorable, but I feel like she really depends on the dice. Yeah. Yeah. She's good, but um, yeah, she does. She's, she's much more dice intensive. Well, I mean, her skills are obviously designed to be set up. So you've got a really good one against somebody that's got high, uh, dodge and you've got a really good one against somebody who's got low dodge but um, yep. potentially high armor um, or at least mediocre armor um, but she doesn't have a way of really cracking through all of the health that a lot of these models have and that's I, that, I, that's her problem yeah I think with Lorisan her issue is did Mystical Arrow actually kill stuff yes she had a good game no she had a really bad game <laughs> Yeah, and there are very few things that Mr. Glaro will kill. Um, so that's not so great, is it? Four times that it will hit. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that. There is that. Um, but it, uh, generally speaking, you tend to find the people that she can hit with Mystic Arrow have a lot of armor. So five dice worth of damage isn't going to do a lot. Um, those people that she can't hit with it will get hit by um, Snipe, but then she's only doing four dice of damage once. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yes, they're probably not got a lot of armor, but they're still going to have a reasonable amount of health. One of the lowest health models in the game is Titus, and that's five. So, yeah. yeah. So looking at everything we talked about, it's definitely been a lot of fun dissecting these different classes. And as Chris and I move forward, we'll probably start talking, getting back into talking about the different scenarios. That's something we did uh, with our one of our episodes previous. But before we kind of sign out of this, is there anything, uh, Matt, that you want to plug or share besides just obviously uh, your your podcast? Well, that hopefully, well, we'll get more. Wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second, Pete. There, there's something oh, okay. that we need to ask him. <laughs> Do you have a good <laughs> rage quit story? <laughs> Do I have a rage quit story? Um, yeah, I, I realistically I do. Um, there, there have been a number of occasions where I uh, I used to to play Malifaux. Um, yeah, uh, and the very first tournament I ever went to, I played uh, a gentleman who. This was in two E. Uh, I played a gentleman who had. Um, uh, I can't remember the name now. Hoffman, I think it is, and he was oh, yeah, good the, old proper, the proper, the proper, the proper full blown 
Um, by the time um, his last thing activates, it's going to absolutely annihilate anybody that it stands next to, you know, because it's, it's gained all of these buffs and all of these boons. It was the first tournament I was playing, and I, I was playing Pandora. Uh, and um, I went ahead, moved Pandora forwards, and got her into a position where by the second turn, I was going to be absolutely capable of, uh, uh, of doing some damage, I thought. Uh, and uh, and he promptly moved Hoffman forwards and uh, one-rounded Pandora. Oh dear. Um, uh, and I will admit that at that point I shouted quite loudly about how you know treating a new player this way was it was was not <laughs> on. How on earth? How dare he? How dare he do this to me in my first tournament ever? Um, I went black and blue, stormed out of the uh, stormed out of the building um, at the end of the first turn. Just conceded the turn, conceded the game. I was not in a good mood. Um, I came back in a few minutes later. Uh, the most sheepish look on my face as I'd calmed myself down. Um, went up to him, uh, apologised, um, and. Uh, uh, and um, yeah, then turned round to a mate of mine who was there, who said, "You do realise that's also the number one player in the country, don't you?" <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh, great! <laughs> yeah, now I've made myself out to be a jackass, haven't I? <laughs> was that James Darcy? <laughs> no, no, not James. Uh, I can't remember his name. Um, that's fine. Yeah. We won't. We won't mention the name. I don't want to make yeah. anybody uh, feel bad, but. I think that is important, though, that, and Chris is a lot better at this than I am, because when I play a new player, I I tend to get the win in hand and then I back off. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to, I wouldn't have done what he did where he just wipes out your entire faction, but I would have, you know, gotten enough points ahead where it's like, okay, now, even if I give him some stuff and we have some fun, I'm still going to win the game. <laughs> yeah, like a cat with a mouse, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> whereas chris chris will like playing guild ball he's like oh yeah i'll show him how to make a goal maybe two goals but then i'm gonna turn it on mm -hmm. yeah like so. well, well i mean i think that a, a truly great player has like complete control right this this is like the type of thing where when you, you hear people that do like bullshit martial arts talk about this all the time like oh i can't do this you know because it's so dangerous that like one touch will kill you, right? Like, all, all these sort of bullshit claims, right? But if you're good enough to, like, pressure point attack someone and kill them, you're good enough not to as well. And so mm -hmm. if you're really an elite player, right, you're, you should be good enough to be able to scale your play to where you create a good experience, not so much for everybody that you play against, but especially for a new player that's, getting into the game, you should be able to scale and have enough talent to scale to where they have a good time and um, you don't let it get out of hand. And, and I've let, I've let it get out of hand before too, not so much in like a tournament, but um, you know, just playing with like local guys where I kind of am not paying attention. I'm maybe just focusing on, you know, other things in life. And I run up the score on someone before I, I realize what I'm doing. And, and I just feel really bad about it because I, I want people to get into these games. I want them to stick with them. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, there's a lot to be said for people that also know, um, uh, for people that know me, uh, they know that I, I get angry at myself if I make a mistake, which blatantly loses me the game. Um, 
but the worst the worst thing for me is when i when i will allow somebody to take something back uh even though they are a good player, because I, I want to make this good atmosphere and this good game and everything else. And that winds me up so much. It winds me up that I've allowed myself to give them that freebie. So you do have to be very careful, don't you, of, of, of knowing the people that you should give the, the flexibility to, but knowing the ones that you shouldn't. Oh, I know. I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's important because I don't want to win a game just because I want to win the game when the person is playing their best. So as long as it's not like an activation or two, like from where we were, if it's the same activation or like right into maybe my next activation, a lot of times they'll be like, oh, I forgot to do this. Can I do it? And most times if it has, if the board state hasn't changed that much, I'll be like, yeah, sure. That's fine. Because you want to win a game when the player is at their best, not because you got them with something, right? That's always kind of like, to me, just kind of bullshit when people are like, no, 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 you already switched it over to my turn. It's like, you know what I wanted to do. I just forgot it. Don't be a you, dickhead. You, 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 know? you want to beat someone because you made better choices, not because there yeah. was just a, an error. Um, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, like the way that I kind of handle that these days is obviously, uh, you know, toward the end of a game where it's like game changing, like that, that can kind of influence things. But if someone does something like that and it's kind of early on, I just say, OK, I'm going to let you take that back. But if I have a similar situation, you're going to let me take it back. Right. <laughs> and, and I can usually read by their response if they're hesitant to take that. Then I then know what like, sort of person that I'm playing against. And a lot of those people that are hesitant to take that deal are going to be like, oh, never mind. I, I won't take it back. Right. Because because <laughs> they know they don't want to give it to you. Right. And then yeah. I know exactly what I'm working with. If somebody says, yeah, sure. No problem. Then I, I know what sort of person I'm dealing with in, as well. So. All right. Well, before we and thanks for sharing that, Matt. But before we get out, then, is there any other plugs you want to you want to share with us? Anything else that you have coming up or just things that you're doing that you want to share? Um, I mean, I'm not at the moment uh, doing much, but I will quite happily plug. We've already mentioned his name. James Doxy is doing another online tournament soon via his uh, blog tier, which is his, um, you know, his online blog version of, of basically what we do here. Um, and uh, so I'm going to plug that for him because I think that's coming up in the next sort of week or so. I think he wants people to um, to have registered by the end of next week. So if you look for blog tier, if you're interested in doing a, a tournament via Tabletopia, then um, James Doxy is doing one of those. Um, and then I think the only thing really for me is to just say, yeah, if you if you look up the rookie or pod tier, there is stuff on there. It's a bit old. It's a bit out of date, but there will be new stuff, I promise. Yeah, and looking back at that tournament, it he does want you to probably register within the next couple of weeks here because it is starting uh, July 11th because that's when the current God tier tournament will be basically done. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he, he's wanting to run run a new event and it's July 11th. If you're on Facebook, you can look up uh, online God tier tournament as well, Hex and Boone. That's what he's calling the tournament. So, and it's a lot of fun. People that are maybe like Chris and a little intimidated by electronics, don't don't feel too scared. It's just on Tabletopia. It's a pretty generally smooth system. It's not hard to figure out. You can check out our video on the Rage Quit Wire YouTube channel, and even Chris figured it out. And you just find a way to share a voice chat, and there it is. Which, if you're uh, if you're on the God Tip 
uh, Discord, you pretty much got a free way of doing that anyway. Yeah, because I just I go on the Discord. I'm like, hey, who's this person? And they're like, hey, that's me. When do you want to play? And that's as easy it is as it is. Yep, yep. It's a good it, it's good stuff. And and obviously with all the lockdown and everything else, got a. I we criticize um, Steamforge, but um, but Russ certainly is putting a, a hell of a lot of work to get it to be a system we can use during this time. I I will agree that where. Guild Ball is kind of struggling right now. I feel like the crew that's working on God Tier is doing a really good job. I'm actually, yeah. um, I have had no supply issues with them. Rules are pretty straightforward. Uh, there's there's some rules cl- clarification out there for some interactions that are a bit weird. Uh, and then yeah, the Tabletopia thing's been been great. I haven't checked out the tabletop simulator for Guild Ball yet, but uh, there's there's I've had a quick there's. Look. So much going on with Guild Ball right now. Uh, the field test has been abandoned, and <laughs> just not hearing a lot about the old Guild Ball lately. No, um, I don't know what's going on. They've obviously they furloughed a lot of staff. I think they're starting yes. to come back. So with any with any hope, we'll start seeing a bit more. And the field test might be picked up. It might not. I've got no idea. The um, the right. tabletop simulator Guild Ball is a, a fan made one, but I think they've they've asked and basically Russ has supplied them with some of the the 3D models, which is why it looks so good. Um, but they okay. don't have everything in there, so yeah. I'm actually going to put out a video of me kind of just going around looking at the different models and how easy it is to move stuff on the pitch, so uh, people can be on the lookout for that as well. Do they but have all about the butchers you, in there? I haven't been on there yet, but I don't know. Okay. The are in there. Um, the, basically, there are four teams in there. So there's butchers, brewers, fish, and masons. And you've got all of the, in terms of 3D models, you've got all of the 12 from the two core boxes. So you don't have third captain, you don't have rookie, and you don't have um, uh, the union and chains. But there are, there are, um, proxy bases which are rubbish but you know they're they're, they're good <laughs> enough um well they're rubbish in so, so much as if you say play masons and you wanted to have um your union in chains model your rookie model and your new captain you've got three 30 mil empty bases so how the heck yeah. do you know which one's which um but everything else is in there and all of the cards are in there so you, you've got no problems with that all of the cards oh, are there for you so um so there, there are options. You can proxy models, obviously, if you wanted to, with either the blank bases or just another model that has the same size base. So there are okay. options. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, a tabletop simulator is usually pretty good, but it can be a little clunky to use sometimes. So that's one of the things I was wanting to test out here when I stream that sometime this weekend, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's worth looking. Right. Well, Chris, anything you want to say or plug before we uh, get on out of here? I don't think so. Am I forgetting anything? I, I mean, no, I was just seeing if there was something. Ran- Ooh, I do know something that you might be excited about. Okay. Ooh, get me excited. What's, what was that? Uh, what's that new Steamforged game that they got coming out? Is it Event Horizon, Dawn Horizon? Oh, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, that one. So I saw that they got the, I don't know if it's an access or what it is, but they have that coming out here very very soon, which I thought you would be interested to to know and oh, see. I'll have to look into that because I did get the Kickstarter. Yeah, so. so let's see here. Limited edition late pledge available now, Chris. Ooh. Well, I don't need a late yeah, pledge. So you- I just need my pledge. My, my, <laughs> my one I put in 
when it was happening. So well, if you have $360 worth, you can get the expansions in the board game. I don't remember how much I pledged for, but I do need to make <laughs> sure I get it and they have my proper address. Yeah. No, I, I didn't go in for that one, but I wish I had. The models look lovely. Yeah, they Steam Forge does such a good job with models. They're the that's fantastic. Um, but no, uh, I don't have any of that. I am excited to go pick up The Last of Us 2 this weekend and be playing some video games. All right. Well, with that being said, thanks again for coming on, Matt. Uh, and everybody else, don't forget to check out our YouTube page. If you want to support the show directly, you can also uh, become a patron. We've had a couple patrons show up, and which allowed us to get some new software to start making video content better. And... Yeah, we are also got new dice that are in the pipes right now being worked at. I actually got the design kind of set together, and we're going to hopefully order those soon as well for the new patrons. But with that being said, make sure that you guys roll dice, roll salt, throw salt. Nope, got that wrong. Chris, take it away, Chris. I, I bet Matt could do it better. You want to, do you want to give it a shot, Matt? You've listened to the podcast before. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip on that one because I'll forget. Okay. I'll do exactly the same as people. <laughs> I will all stumble right. over it like a muppet. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, we'll talk to all of you later. Until then, roll dice, throw salt, and we're out. Peace.